I play chess, but only in 4D. I'm by myself, but they think I'm 4D. When they see me online, they think they know me. Go ahead, like and subscribe, you gotta show me. I applied pressure and they tried to reject it. Clearly ain't see I was a diamond, so they didn't accept it. Told me I was a failure, so I said F it. Might even start my own school and teach them a lesson. Yeah, I'ma call it South Harmon. Huh. Fly down south and get the south popping. <laughs> One day I'ma give you a walkthrough and introduce you to this walk too. <laughs> I know you lost, that's just dynasty talk. Cause you can't start no franchise without no dynasty talk. I took a break from the game, nicked on my dynasty stop. Till I came back like Wimbyama, I feel like Coach Pop. I can't say that I'm the GOAT, cause you ain't gonna agree. But if I own my own farm, I can make the GOAT. Me, the ladies love the bed, and they used to love the goatee. That's when I was a land burning music on CDs. I wasn't born in 88. December 87, I was 16 days away. Might fly to Dallas, why not? I just got paid today. When I land this dirt statue, I came to fade away. Check the timeline for the stories and the play-by-play. My life a Patreon link, you gotta pay to play. I worked 16 hours, boy, that's an 88. X-Factor like Dez Bryant, my boy 88. Why dream light when you living like a heavyweight? This ain't a one-week thing, we grind like every day. They know my destination, Devi, like I hang with Ray. If they ain't know my name, I bet they know my name and day. Treat this mic like an ATM, let's make a trade today. Drop, drop this on Fizzle Friday, cause that's my favorite day. And I'm gonna do it my way, cause that's my favorite way. They tried to put me on the shelf like I'm layaway. Told me it ain't no way, so I made a way. Huh? Welcome to South Harmon, I'm glad you're here today. Welcome to South Harmon, I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad you're here today. Welcome to South Harmon, I'm glad you're here today. Hit that Patreon link if you're here to stay. Huh? Treat this mic like an ATM, let's make a trade today. <laughs> yeah, let's go, let's go, let's go. This time tomorrow, Adam, just think of it, buddy, we'll be watching football. Real football. Real, Real NFL football. NFL football. Um, oh, re- regardless you. of who's there, who's playing, it's football, man. It's back. Uh, it's speaking back. of back, back. Dynasty we'll Degenerates, about a, welcome back. We'll, we'll, We'll probably be about like halftime, about this time. Kind of yeah. lines up. Yeah, yeah. about about that. Think? We'll kind of have an idea. Someone's feeling good. Someone's feeling bad in a matchup. You know. Right, right, right. Like you're doing well. If you got Travis Kelsey, you're probably not feeling good at all. No, unless <laughs> unless you've roster constructed inappropriately, and all of a sudden you're like, I got yeah, but I got Goddard on this team too, or something. Like, well, this week you feel okay, but don't get rid of that. All right, get rid of that. I'd like to I'd like to welcome everybody into the first. 40 chess dynasty football podcast of the 2023 season i think it's official we can do that now right yeah week one it is it's official uh it is definitely official and the great part is mike when you're listening to this there will be one game that's already been played so that's uh 
it's exciting, man. If the off season, it seems fun, right? Because you have the dynasty things like drafting and all. But man, it feels like that last couple months before you get there, yeah. it just feels like you're just Take on the over. edge of your seat. You cannot wait, and it just Fuck. crawls. It crawls. Pre preseason lasts for fucking ever. It feels like we play ninety games. <laughs> My, that, that's actually a good point. Like if you think about how time is weird in certain elements, right? It doesn't actually change. But you think about how long ago did the Hall of Fame opening game feel like? Yeah, eternity, right? Yeah, felt felt like forever ago. Same <laughs> exactly. thing with the expo, man. Feels like it was forever ago that we did the expo, and right, you know, and that's like the first week of real preseason. That's and that's a that's wow. not even a full month ago, but that's how yeah. much your just anticipation is building. So ready to go. I like man. it. I like it. We got some uh, some Sammy Laporta love in the chat already. <laughs> to start this off, it is Sammy Laporta season starting tomorrow. Adam, I'm actually going to start him in a week. Right, uh, I kind of subscribed to that. So, yeah. so is that a is that a this is the one you just can't have you haven't been able to trade him so far? Yeah, I, I pretty much got rid of all the other tight ends, you know, in lineup leagues. A yeah. warp, you know, liquidate them, try to move them wherever. And right. this league, I was pretty successful moving on from a lot of them. So, Sammy Laporta, that's just going to be the guy we plug into the lineup every week until I'm told not to. <laughs> right, that's that's the dude. Right, love, we'll love find it. somebody else if I need to. So, we're gonna roll out Sammy fucking ball game all year. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> it's exciting, man. Uh, Mike gets to – well, he's had a hard time this offseason because the the call on Sammy Laporta got so overhyped so quickly right. that he feels like I, I don't get to actually relish in this. But you do. Here you do. Well, it, and it's a good thing about Iowa, man. I could just move on to the next one, right? Luke motherfucking Luchet. Let's go. And, yes, he is Here, here's Koopa. related. <clears throat> Can I tell you why Koopa is uh, – speaking of related, Koopa is related to us now. He's a part of the family. Oh shit! I forgot those about in. those teams. I need to set lineups on. He's so we're so used to just best ball. This is perfect. And now you're like, oh shit! I gotta start setting lineups again. Don't forget, check them before Thursday. Because I'm telling you, this is one of the crucial errors in a lineup league. Is you don't think about it Thursday. You start the game and you're like, crap! Why did I have this player in the flex spot? And more often than not, it won't bite you. But then you're like, why did I waste that? It should have been in the running back or the receiver spot, right? And then you have an injury. Something pops up throughout the week. Now you're limited in your options at a specific player or a specific position versus a flex. Well, let's talk. Uh, let's talk tonight about some week one strategy, right? Some uh, okay. Some strategy. Some of it's going to be you know common sense for a lot of people. Some people who are newer to it, you know, it uh, maybe may become important. You just touched on one thing though. If you're in a lineup league, those Thursday night players, if you were planning on playing them and they're like even flex worthy, right? You're having those considerations. You got to make that decision soon because you don't want to be starting a Thursday night player in the flex that needs to go into your official lineup spot. So yep. if it's a, uh, I don't know, Sky Moore season, we're going to say it's Sky Moore season. If you thought about playing Sky Moore, like he should be at your wide receiver, wide receiver three spot, not in your flex. Yeah. If, I mean, I put it like this: I've, as as far as my teams where I'm going to play Sky more, um, those teams where I'm trying to <laughs> trying to th go to the bottom. Hell, I'll put them in the flex. I'm not trying to win anyway. But uh, <laughs> who cares? Nah, but no. Realistically, if you're uh, Sky Moore, any player on, in this game um, that you're playing, don't put it in the flex spot unnecessarily. There's just no reason to. There's not. Even, even if you say to yourself, you're going to project those receivers ahead let's say you're like well Skymore's not my he's my fourth or fifth receiver you keep him in the flex you're like i'm guaranteeing starting those guys you don't know what's going to happen travis kelsey literally just had a hyperextended knee on not a game day not something we expected that type of thing pops up and if you don't have the now the roster depth you could make a decision which is not really beneficial for your team 
Let me ask you too. Like part of week one strategy is going to be these guys that we we like, right? We play we play dynasty. That's what it is. We got a ton of rookies probably littered on your team somewhere, right? Not every contender is an old crusty. You know, <laughs> you've pushed in for all the DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen's you can get, but. You're going to have some rookies sprinkled out that you're going to have to make some lineup decisions on. And week one is always kind of that, uh, man, it's rough. Isn't it rough to kind of decide who are some of the rookies like you, you know, if you probably roster them, there's there's almost no doubt you're starting them this week. Like for me right off the top, because tomorrow night's going to be here. If I got Jameer Gibbs, he's starting. Like Jameer Gibbs is one of those guys. Yeah, I feel good I, about. I, I'm playing Gibbs unless it's one of these teams that I'm just going down at running back. And I shouldn't right. really be that way in a lineup league. Um yeah, I would say – so you're just talking in general rookies that I'm going to yeah, consider yeah. for roster playing? Like how many could you comfortably start? Like you, you don't have any qualms about starting Ooh, this guy, right? Comfortably? Yikes. Yeah. Obviously, Bijan, um, Gibbs, I think, is a comfortable starter. You you may be like, I'm not sure what the workload is. We're not, but I, I think you can comfortably project him to get 10 to 12 touches in a game, even in week one. Um, he's yeah. drafted very highly. I mean, Mike, you start saying comfort, like comfortable, comfortably. I, does say it, say it. Doesn't the, it, the list end there? If that's the specific wording, I'm not saying you can't start anyone past there, but yeah, I, comfortably. I don't know. Yeah. You tell me. I got two running backs, and that's pretty much it. I I can make the caveat for a rich in my super flex spot. I'm sorry. I'm thinking we're talking like skill players in the flex spot. That's my so oh, yes. Yeah, a rich, a rich. I'm comfortably starting too. Yes. Okay. But after that. No JSN for you, no QJ, no Zay Flowers, no Jordan Addison. I'll say this for all those guys. I'm not telling you I won't start them on any of my teams. But when you say comfortably, I'm not sitting here when I put those guys in my flex week one and like, yeah, comfortably. And I think personally, they they may go off. Let's say any one of those players goes off as a great game. It's just proven, though, we overestimate as a dynasty community a lot of times what these guys are going to do off the immediate jump this is not to say that they won't have a secure workload for the year especially in the back half of the season but i mean go back think of whatever you want to think about justin jefferson let's say you played in week one right Ooh. Ooh. that, yeah, that, that doesn't good. have that doesn't have anything to do with how talented he is how good he right. is where his ceiling is we're talking about week one rookie starters right you now like it, it took jefferson a while to even get full snap share now doesn't mean that these guys again all those guys you just mentioned mike and i think you could probably i don't know if you said mims down the year and like down you know middle midway through the season i'm not going to say he couldn't be a starter for people i'm but i'm not starting him or these other guys comfortably right now there's probably teams where i have to start one of them especially you get to line up like start 12 13 14 you're going to put them in your lineup but when you say comfortably i'm not sitting there like man this is awesome this is this is sexy for me as far as scoring points Jamar Chase did pretty well in his first game. <laughs> he did well. But that's probably kind of an outlier. Do we, do we project any of these guys to have the draft capital Chase had and the situation that he had immediately? Probably not. College quarterback, the, you know, the whole locker room. Rapport. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. only thing that people were concerned about week one was the uh, no, you know, those no stripes on the football, man. Kid <laughs> no couldn't, couldn't catch football, football, right? <laughs> he had all them drops. Yeah, Jefferson, if I remember right, was was not very good. Jonathan Taylor, uh, even, you know, we were just talking about two running backs we feel good about, but JT also started slow. 
a lot of these rookies, right? They they usually don't come out and produce right away. Rookie quarterbacks uh, kind of been rough. We talked about one of the most memorable uh, things on the America game uh, America's game pod was uh, you know I threw out the, the Cam Newton first game like and how kind of a an aberration that was like to go out and throw for 400 yards and three touchdowns of and course. have the start that he did. So we got to remember uh, it's dynasty. We're playing for the long haul, but we're also, uh, you know, like a lot of this value and stuff goes out the window. If you're chasing, you're chasing titles, right? I know it's a long season, but you don't really want to just give away one game. Yeah. <laughs> the first one, like you just don't want to, you don't want to have to start slow if you don't need to. So, well, let's, let's I, talk about I think this. I'm kinda, I think ahead. I'm kind of with you. Like, I got two running backs. I got A. Rich at the flex, and I don't think there's anybody else I'm really comfortable rookie-wise starting unless I have to. So, like, we right. talked about, like, I'm starting Sam Laporta, but my other options are, you know, dog shit. Um, so now let me ask you this. Uh, in a process here um, for starting people in week one, which uh, we went to, you know, we're going to line up here early and often. I know. I know it's um, weird for us. It's a cool. I, I know. I, I, de- I definitely do. Um, let me ask you this then. So, and this is a Cooper question too. Um, he's not going to be here to answer the question, but let's talk about this Travis Kelsey thing. You have Travis Kelsey. All right. And I, it's week one. I, I wouldn't be overly panicked um, in particular, but I'm talking about just for week one. You talk about sometimes getting into the playoffs, even the good team can come down to the margins. There's only so many games really. And if you win or lose one, or not points for right. all those tiebreakers are big. If you have Kelsey and you don't have really shit else at the tight end position, your team's really good. You're like, ah, I mean, what are you just rolling whatever dog shit you have on the waiver wire on your team? Are you thinking about a cheap option for like, maybe there's a couple more weeks of missing injury here. Like what, what do you do? I think that's actually a question. I know I have, I, I have a team where I have Kelsey, but I have, I have, Unfortunately, I have too much tight ends, so I'm I'm fine for who I'm starting. But I think this is something that's going to happen for people. I think it's worth talking about. I, I think it is. I think for me, the psychology behind it, right? So I got Travis Kelsey in the lineup league. I know he's probably not playing tomorrow night. Um, if I was in a situation too, which if I had Travis Kelsey, like I probably don't roster a lot of good depth at tight end, right? Like I kind of just figured I'm rolling with Kelsey, and then when I need it for a week, I'm just plugging in whoever the fuck I can find. And, you know, just eat it for a week. Now, it's not ideal that I got to do that right to start the season, right? Yeah. So, first off, I'm just plugging in whatever the fuck I can find, right? Like, I'm probably okay. not make, I'm not making any moves to to go out and get another tight end unless it's super cheap, like something stupid, you know. If What are we talking? Fourth round pick? Uh, fab money? Like, I'm okay with a third. Like, okay. but I'm not sending a second. But I don't know what kind of tight end you're going to buy. You might find somebody who – Can you buy a Gerald you. Everett for a third? That's, that was just the name I was going to throw out. You might find some manager who, who will give you Gerald Everett for a third, but it's going to be a tough sell because you guys also got to remember they're going to know who the guy is coming to ask for Gerald Everett and why you're coming to ask for Gerald Everett for a well, third. Well, here's why I say this because I think what's interesting is I, I know majority of people are going to play this market game. And whatever AWARP says, this is such a new thing, Mike, and how many people are actually caring about it. To your point, it's probably going to be hard to sell. But I do have mm-hmm. – I got a member in the audience that I think I'd be able to send a fourth for. Right. <laughs> you know? I mean, hey, Cooper, let me get that uh, Jared Everett for a fourth done, right? Like sometimes you'll be able to find that. But So, so I think to your point, if I can basically set, spend nothing, I honestly don't even know at a third. Like maybe if I knew, one, he's a better option, I feel better starting him, and two – 
in this league now, I could probably resell at the same price or more in a different time, but have security. That's probably the exception. Other than that, I'm not, I'm not spending even a third because I think the opportunity cost might be packaged that in a second to go get what I really want later. Um, right. he, he says I'm playing the dog shit guy and in a wide open tight end room, Miami, Seattle, New Orleans. I mean, I, I don't necessarily hate it. I think, um, I think the settings a little bit here come into play. Like if we're talking a heavy tight end premium, we're talking lineup start nine. So it's like every one of those players, uh, total whiff can, can hurt your team. I guess the reason I want to bring it up too, cause it, it kind of blends in for me of things that people are going to think about and not necessarily know. So for example, you have these questions on the team, right? So you're like, Kelsey's one of my set and set and forget guys. Like I, tight end's not yeah, a worry for me. Right. But you have already a couple question marks. You have, you're going to start an Addison. You're going to start a JSN. You're going to start a Gibbs. So all of a sudden now, I think what can happen is when you don't have Kelsey in there and you look at that team, there's a little bit of fear. And that I think can cause people, I think one of the things that you can equate, warp all this stuff, you cannot create what people will do, will do when there's fear for them, how they're going to trade. That type right. of like emotion can change what a trade becomes. So if you're on the other end of it, right, this is your signal here. If you're on the other end of it, this is where you can, uh, you know, take advantage of some people. Send a little right? tax, you know? Yeah, just tax them a little bit. Adam, I would say generally, though, if I'm in that position with this Travis Kelsey scenario that we talked about, uh, more than likely what's going to happen is I'm just going to roll out some dog shit kind of like Koopa is because it yes. is the tight end position. While it does suck to lose a warp god in Travis Kelsey, <clears throat> um, at least at the tight end position, I have pretty good odds of just finding some turd who's going to fall into an end zone and all of a sudden I'm staying afloat with whatever my matchup is, right? Like, realistically, I'm probably not going against Mark Andrews, who's also got injury concerns heading into week one. So, like, maybe this warp difference maker in week one isn't really a thing, so I just need a dude who might catch a touchdown. Even in a heavy tight end premium league, like, I'm still just like, man, uh, one catch for one touchdown, and all of a sudden I'm looking at tight end 14 on the week. I can live with that. <laughs> I well, can live with it. And that's, I think, in a sensible manner. Like, if you talk about we're just going to remove the human element and you're going to play the warp, the A-warp in particular, you're good, right? And I see in the chat, um, we have Marlon. I'm going to stay pat. People will do whatever, right? They're going to get desperate. Koopa's talking about the same thing. The thing you cannot do is panic. And I think... Mike, the reason I bring this up is a couple points. One, for all of our listeners here, you are tuning in Dynasty Degenerates to the 40 Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. I'm telling you right now, this is what I was, I've been talking about and worried about. Part of the reason I, where my a little of my pushback will come on, just telling people to sell tight ends for anything, even if it's a little under market, because you can say that now. But if Travis Kelsey goes down or anything happens to your team at any position, this is what happens throughout the season. Right now we've been in this this huge window, Mike. We're talking about the offseason. By and large, nothing really takes place. It's conjecture. It's maybe there's a, a fluke injury here and there. But everything's pat. Everything's the values are, you know, floating just because of people's narratives. Now you have injuries, your team is actually scoring points. And the panic and up and down of a dynasty manager from week to week, you cannot replicate what that means to what they're going to do with their team and what that does to their head. And that It can change what a plan is. So that's part of, I think, what I'm trying to say here is, one, if this is you, don't try your best not to succumb to the panic 
especially in week one, especially at this position. You lose Kelsey, part of what AWARP is telling you here, you're not going to get a positional advantage likely. Like it's not coming, right? So if you can't find a chance to get that, like you're just trying to patch up that position. So don't spend dynasty draft capital on it or any type of value on your team on it. And secondly, the reason why is that the fear of the, you know, the unknown or what it's going to be. And you can prey on that on the flip side, Mike, you can try to sell your tight ends that you've been trying to move in situations like this. So it's, I think it's a, on the 4d lens, it's, you can play this to multiple levels of your, of your league, depending on the situation you're in. So, so to be clear, like you're not selling tight ends in lineup because of this situation for the ability to move them to other managers, right? Like, I'm selling them. I'm absolutely with the process, right? What I, I think where it's dangerous is if you tell people to do this as a whole in right now. And I, what I don't want to do is just sell way light on market. I'm, I'm comfortable. If you tell me you're going to get close to market, even a little under, yes, do the process. I, I'm with the process. My point oh, we're, is... We're both there. We're both yeah. there. My point is now, if, if you were to go further and you're like, I'm going to abandon what I have here. I just want to liquidate it and go to the right process. And you kind of burn through a bunch of market and now you have one dog shit tight end or you had your Kelsey because that's what the one other option is. That can cause all your plans to go awry and now you're spending all this capital where you burnt away at discounts and you're going to spend possibly above market to patch up and you're going to forget everything that we just did. The whole reason you do it. Like the human element changes what people's plans are. I'm all for selling tight ends, right? Like this A-Warp thing. And I'm good with it 75, 80%, 90%, whatever you can get. I'm not selling these tight ends for for fourth round picks, Adam. Because the reality of it, fourth round picks don't mean fuck all in in 90% of the leagues. Like they don't. And they're actually mostly a hindrance to you, to be honest. Because nobody really fucking wants them. Nobody's like going to take a package of force so you can move up into the third round in your rookie draft to get that guy that you're like, holy shit, he's not there. And the other thing, you usually take these fourth-round guys, and then you get to about right now with roster cutdowns. You're like, well, fuck, I did draft him. Like, should I keep him? In reality, it's a roster-clogger piece of shit wide receiver that you should have never had on your team to begin with in the first place. Like, has zero prospects, right? They're just super, super lawn darts, right? There's no point in it. But the principle of liquidating your tight ends – Right. Like I would still do it. I understand I, there's I a agree. little bit of like market now, like you could probably capitalize and get a little bit more than what market said, you know, a week ago. Uh, but in general, I just want to make it clear from my standpoint that I'm not holding on to like, if I got Travis Kelsey, I'm not holding on to Gerald Everett's. I'm not holding on to Tyler Higby's on my team mm-hmm. when I could liquidate them for draft capital, because I was worried about possibly you know travis kelsey going down like i just know this no. is an asset that i'm plugging in right yeah i just I'm, wanted to make sure that we're clear in the advice that we're giving i get you you're spelling it out for everybody no i'm not telling you hey you should hold insurance that's absolutely not what i'm telling you don't hold insurance or dynasty value at the tight end position that's not a difference maker my point is i don't want to burn that in a process of like i think a lot of times what's going to happen is people are going to look at their team all right oh shoot man i'm my roster construction given this a warp is off I got six tight ends. Like, right. I want to just get the value, extract the value now. Like, I don't want to wait for what the offers might be in market. And I understand that. I'm not saying you don't want to get the ball rolling. I'm not saying not to do it. But if you're selling all of them in a process of selling light, I, my fear is that whether your process is good or not, people's plans go awry when injuries happen. Like, this is just Kelsey's a good example of he he got hurt week one. I mean, you shouldn't be panicking, but I guarantee you there's people that are. 
The flip side of that is also understand that, right? This is a time right. if you couldn't liquidate some of your tight ends, go find that guy. Maybe maybe there's people out there that are willing to buy tight ends and you can do it at the right time. So what what I'm really advocating for is, is not against this process. It's against being too um, extreme and making it happen because you don't think there's value in the point scoring of this position. I agree with all that, but just the, the level in which you go to it is my would be my uh, caveat as far as like actionable advice. Here's something too, just on the, the tight end point, now that you, you brought it up, and this is going to be a big shout out to our guy, Dynasty Barry, um, fucking incredibly smart dude. And if you're in our Discord or our Patreon, like, Start a cup of chat with him. Pick his brain because you're going to learn some shit. But he, I don't know if you saw that spreadsheet he made just based on underdog. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. essentially you track three, three years, you know, of, of ADP and warp data and end of the season finish. And he put it in this nice fucking spreadsheet where I can look and I can go. You take the names out of it. Right. You're just looking at tight end six. You're looking at tight end 12. Right. It's just the average. Um, and then he put it on there, like the difference between where they were actually were in warp and where they were drafted, mm-hmm. right? And what that value decline is, give or take. Yeah. It's pretty easy to see on there too. Like he made it green and red because I'm a dummy and I need stuff color coded for me because I eat crayons. <laughs> but uh Adam, it's like, you know, tight end one, two, three, you know, they're either green or, you know, tight end one is minus a few spots. Yeah. But then you get to tight end four through seven, all red almost all double digit dips <laughs> like from where they were drafted ADP wise versus where they finish in warp. And you're going, that is a, uh, you know, we talked about this uh, running back dead zone for years, right? Talk about it. That's the tight end dead zone. And if you translate that into a warp and you look at some of these graphs, it's a thousand percent true. And like, those are definitely the dudes you're liquidating. And then the rest of these tight ends, man, like down to, you get this nice little pocket, like tight end 11 to 19. Like if you kind of wanted to take some some darts, like some gambles on there, that was going to be your quote unquote a warp tight end. Like I couldn't fight you on it because historically they generally finish better than you know what draft capital you're spending on. I mean, this is just looking from a redraft lens, but we know so much of redraft ADP also bleeds over into dynasty because those vets get pushed down even farther because they're old and crusty and nobody gives a shit, right? Like they're not young hot rookies, so no one cares. And then after that, Adam, it's like all those people who are chasing those, well, this guy could be a, you know, a back end tight end too. Don't draft those dudes. Those dudes sure. are shit. Sure. <laughs> those dudes are dog shit. And the rest of it, you know, 36 to like 60. Just pick one. You're probably going to be right. Like it's probably going to pay off for you just to have one of those. So I thought that was a nice summary of kind of how I felt about a warp going in. I get to see this graph and I go, man, it's even color coded. So it's it's made up for dummies like me. I can really just pick this data out and, and I know. But shout out to DB, man. Great, 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 great fucking work, buddy. Great work. Yeah, so absolutely. That, that's kind of where I'm at on the these tight ends. But I also do understand we do play Dynasty, Adam. And there's a realistic scenario like you're talking about where if I'm rostering some of these dudes that, shit, I need to replace Kelsey. I'm panicking because we all know those guys who go on full tilt. They That's, go on full tilt at a fucking moment's notice, and and those are the ones you like to take advantage of. So having that little yes. ammo left, very viable strategy. And, and I think it's also like a patience plan as well. Like even if you know this is the correct play, and this is a roster construction thing, warp thing in general, not even just the tight ends, Mike. If I if if right now I want to get to roster construction, but it's going to be suboptimal for me to get there in value right now. I'd rather have it today i'd rather have all the roster construction all the pieces but right 
understand it. it you, you, Rome wasn't built in the day, man. You right? can't like, force it. You, you can't force d- it, right? Because if you get, if you're just saying I'm going to do this in the process, and you're going to kind of like you said force it, or you're going to get there in a hurry, like you don't have to be there right now. You, that's to, to Koopa's point about Kelsey not panicking week one. You, you don't have to panic because Kelsey's going to miss one week. It's week one yeah. though, so people will overreact. Because how long has it been? Everybody is begging for this, and now you have. Oh my gosh, this team I've been looking, it's Kelsey and tight end the whole offseason. Now, who am I starting here? Zach, Zach Kuntz, is he going to play? I, what do I do? Like, there's the human element. So, my point here is one, if you can, when you do this process, ask yourself and be serious. Like, can you stomach putting those tight ends out there? Or are you someone that might look at that roster baiting? You know, Cody, I'm roster baiting my team. <laughs> Damn it! This tight end just—I want to go higher, and and you end up going against your process, which that then would be detrimental to how you liquidate it. So that that it's it's a it's more of a small time thing. In, in a bigger picture, I'm liquidating these tight ends. If it's even a little light on market, I'm fine. My point is on a smaller lens of like you know you're just doing the process too quickly to get it done now. Uh, and I do think to your point, one of the things I'm going to le- definitely look to do in spots where I wasn't able to sell tight ends in the market value that I want is you see the Kelsey manager in your league and he has someone, you know, not, not anyone great after him. Right. And you're thinking this guy relies on him, man, this is DM time. This is trade offer time, right? Like that, that, those are some of the things if you haven't sold all your tight ends and you want to get to that roster construction, that's a great way to see, Hey, all right, you got Kelsey, you're down for a week. <laughs> what if it's not going to cost you much? What if, what if you, here, I'll tell you what, I'll do you a favor. I'll send you this Gerald Everett for a third. You you could even grease him, maybe try to get a fourth or something, right? But the point is that that's not a big ass for a guy that probably really overvalues the tight end position, right? So th- th- yeah. there, there's that dynamic I think you can play. So let me ask you then on this Kelsey strategy too, and like this would be a quick question. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, so you're in this position, right? We kind of talked about it. We set up this scenario. You have Travis Kelsey. Your, your options are probably on the waiver wire. Like, a, okay. you know, like Koopa mentioned in the chat, you know, like the Dolphins tight end room because it's just so fucking open. Like, you pick up a Durham Smythe or a Julian Hill. I finally get it right. Finally. There it three, is. Three different Koopa, shows. I, I, let Mike, uh, I let Mike just think it was Justin. <laughs> that was so awesome, man. That was so awesome. <laughs> like a, a Julian Hill and you just roll that out and you take your shot. Um, the rest of my lineup, like what I'm doing. Okay. Adam, is there a scenario where you try to get a little bit more frisky and, and risky? Right, so I, I'll give you an example. You're you might be starting a Brandon Cooks in a flex spot. Right, okay. it might be a start thirteen, start twelve league where Brandon Cooks would be a reasonable starter in the flex. Like for example, instead of starting Brandon Cooks, do you do you go? Man, I know rookies don't produce right away, but something about Marvin Mims and Judy being out, and you know this Sean Payton offense and the draft capital. Like, do you roll the dice on a guy like him to maybe go out there and get two long touchdown bombs? to try to make up for the fact that you're missing out on a, you know, a lineup stud you're, like you're like talking Travis about Kelsey. you're talking about in your roster approach now. Yeah. How you're setting your lineup, do you get a little more aggressive with a little more frisky in week 1 because you know that hammer of Travis <clears throat> okay. Kelsey's down for the count. So I would say as a process like I wouldn't get too crazy. Like if your team's rostered right, like I I'd let my team go out there and do its thing. Now if Kelsey's this hammer and you're playing a good team, I could see where people have this type of a, a thought process. That specific one, like, okay, 
yes, Marvin Mims probably has some upside given what we know. But I also feel like Brandon Cooks is just as likely, probably more though, to have okay. possibly big games. So the process that you're talking about here, yes, I may shoot for the moon on a on a spot. So, so I say is, it was all right. <clears throat> maybe not Brandon Cooks because you like the offense and I like him too. I mean, we're not gonna get two players. I get your here, point. Go ahead, give me another example. Juju, Juju. Week one, Juju. Like how you feel about him versus you know like a a bigger upside play in in Marvin Mims. Is this a, this is, is this a setup? <laughs> Marvin Mims, that? Marvin Mims, baby. <laughs> I gotta go to the other extreme. You like Brandon Cooks? Ooh, I know you y'all see that? Juju, I'm so. allergic to bullshit. I'm sorry. Wow, <laughs> that was a big sneeze. Um, no, I mean, yeah, that's a good. That's actually all jokes aside. Um, I don't. I, Juju is a is a fine floor play. I think. I'm not saying you won't. I won't. I'll probably start him on lineup teams, especially the longer ones, start twelve and stuff. But yes, that would be a good switch out for me. If Juju goes out and has six, eight points, that's what we expect. He could have a little more than that. I'm not saying he has no upside at all, but Marvin Mims probably to me is just a. And I, we could be totally wrong, right? But I think I personally would make a move, something more similar to that, where I think this is more of a floor play. I'm chasing a ceiling in one spot in the flex. All right, last thing we'll talk about here, uh, the last one that I really wanted to cover, and Cooper kind of brought it up in chat. Are you saying a half week- hour? Where, where this is the last – how quick are we getting out Because this is going to take a bit. <laughs> this is going to take a bit. Fair, fair. Okay, let's get there. <laughs> it's it's week one, and you know people are going to overreact you know, to everything, right? Your favorite sleeper goes out and scores a touchdown, and I'm going to be guilty of it. You're going to be guilty of it. Everybody in here listening to this, they're going to be guilty of it. I told you. Y'all didn't listen. Antonio Gibson <laughs> with no Brian Robinson. See? Right. Ben told yeah. you. And then a couple weeks later, you know. We're going to have wild swings. Now, Adam, I don't know how to describe, like, the proper reaction to have to some of this, right? Like, how to identify stuff that we're obviously going to overreact to. It's kind of like a, uh, there was a senator years ago, you know, or somebody testifying before Congress, and they asked <clears> him to, uh, to describe porn. And he said, uh, I can't, but you know it when you see it, right? You're going to know it when you see it, Adam. So uh, let's try to describe it the best way we can. Not porn, but uh, <laughs> overreactions. Like what are going to be some of these overreactions that we're going to get to? I know one for me last year, not only on the positive side, but on the negative side was uh, we had to talk about it right when we did the recap show, which is also a great time to plug. Sundays, we got you covered, right? Start sitting in the morning between the afternoon games and the uh, the Sunday night game come in for the uh, the early reactions, the recap show. So go check that out. Um, one of the ones that we talked about week one last year, Justin Fields. Like, what are we doing with Justin Fields? Oh, my God, this was horrible. And Adam, kind of what did we say at the time? It was a fucking monsoon. Like, I'm not taking anything away from this game on either side. <laughs> like, you're talking, about, you're talking about Trey Lance or, or Fields? Trey Lance versus Justin I, Fields I, I, week one. Yeah, I know. Yeah, don't don't try to throw shots at me here. All right, I'm, I'm talking about the the panic. That's yeah. all. I'm the overreaction. Yeah. So Trey Lance versus Justin Fields last year, monsoon game. People losing their shit because neither quarterback really did anything worth a damn. Um, like like how do you spot these kinds of things? Does it have to be a damn monsoon, or are there some other indicators for you where you go, like I'm gonna actually put stock in this, or I'm not gonna put stock into this? reaction at all um gosh so you're saying like it's, it's a, i feel like it's a loaded big question but you're saying the last specific one there 
is there is there factors about the games in the short term that really yeah like like, like what stands out to you man like how this is why it's tough to describe but i kind of want to talk through it and see if we can get some key some okay key points yeah i'm with you i was just trying to get a little more clarity on the starting point here for me like, like if, if we if we if we go out and uh let's just say hypothetically Deion jackson has a big game you know okay. no jonathan taylor we didn't really know if it was going to be Deion Jackson. You know, they say he's going to start, but is Evan Hull getting some work? Like, what's mm-hmm. it look like when Zach Moss comes back? Deion Jackson goes out, puts up 120 yards and, you know, a touchdown or two. Like, has a really good game. Like, how much do we overreact or buy into the Deion Jackson thing? Okay. Like, what are some indicators that would pull you back and, and you would go, no, I still want to wait and see before I go out and just try to buy Deion Jackson everywhere for a second. So I guess I'll I'll tell you for me, and this is where knowing where we're coming from in the off season, and people will start to transition before the season starts, and even you know week one, they're pretty much supposedly all loaded on this contender thing. But this is where the biases of our community, I believe, and not that I'm not guilty of it, I'm talking about everyone, I, me too at points. One of the things I'm trying to get better at though is, all right, I think one of the things when you talk about a Dion Jackson. This name is no longer, yes, Deion Jackson. Like, we're ready for this this breakout coming for Deion Jackson, right? So, for there, I, I think, one, the community as a whole is not, is disinterested. They're going to feel like this nah. is a this is a trap. This is something that we know is not a long-term process bet. It's not something worth sending draft capital for. Even if Taylor's out, like, this is just not the player. He can be replaced. It could be anything. Now... I understand that, but I think also there's a zig and a zag and a push and a pull to everything. Because I think there's it's almost to the point now, Mike, because, for example, week one, any one of those receivers we mentioned, any one of these running backs that's young, Roshan Johnson somehow ends up getting – Khalil Herbert fumbles once or twice, and Roshan has a great game. Like, right. that that right there is going to be the over – holy shit. I've been told, you guys, all the Roshan right, – right, right. those people will come out of the woodworks – all the fantasy receipts are going to be about they called this. Whether they did or didn't, that's what's going to be the narrative. And that's a keep trade cut player that's going to go to the moo. I mean, in one week, right? Mm-hmm. Deion Jackson will not move a lot. I mean, unless you're talking about he's just abs- like running back one on the week doing ill stuff, right? All the time. Right, right, right. And I think you're right on that. Like, he's got to have a a really, really good game for you to kind of get that, that market. And movement. surprise people and almost like wow factors that no one knew Deion Jackson had something like that, almost an additional point. But what I, what I'm saying here is that. So, so, so what would it take for you then? Like we'll stick on the Deion Jackson thing, not okay. not for you to overreact and go out and buy him for a second, but say you don't have a lot of Deion Jackson and, and I, I don't, I've got some just kind of sprinkled in, but I've got some Evan Hole. I still have some Zach Moss on some fucking best ball teams, you know, on lineup teams. Like just, I don't know who the running back's going to be for the first couple of weeks. I'm just trying to find out who the producer is. Yes, they are, but Alex. Is there is there anything that Deion Jackson could do? Like, is there a scenario that could happen with Deion Jackson this week where you would go, listen, I'm going to go test the market in every one of my leagues, you know, as a portfolio on my contenders and see if a third will get me Deion Jackson. Like, is there something that would make you buy into going, this might be the dude for the season. Now he's not, I'm not at saying he's going to be an RB1, but he could be a, you know, an RB2 that you could buy for a third round pick. Kind of like, like what did it take for, uh, for you to buy into like Jamal Williams last year? Like it took me a long fucking time to buy into Jamal Williams. Or you wish you would have done it earlier. 
I, yeah, I wish it happened at some point in the year, the buy-in on Jamalful. Now, right, like like a cheap third-round pick was all it took to get a guy who you know was putting up RB one weeks. Now, to, to this point, this is kind of what I was actually getting ready to allude to, in, in that there is, I think a there's this chasing of this insane ceiling, and we see in a market where we are so desperate for actual things to tangibly have right in value and what we've seen on the right. field. When you get one of these rookies that is – all we talk about in the offseason a lot of times is the rookies, the new situation, between the draft, their college tape, the analytics, all of it, and then the situation, what's it going to look like, and then they hit early. That is a it, – it's to the point where if you have that player, it's it's now one of those where I'm probably just – I have to try to look to sell, right? doesn't mean someone will give me what I need in my league, but – the, the overreaction is going to be so strong on that player, not to the point you're making about Dion or Jamal Williams last year. I think reality is in the process, I've learned like I've already sent a f- couple force to like the one thing to Koopa's point it, in the running back market, a guy like that, I've sent a couple force actually for Dion Jackson in a league. I think the time to really buy him is almost before anything happens and just hope that he's the guy. Now, if you have this opportunity to buy him, cheaply still because people don't believe or someone's been waiting to sell Deion Jackson because he's the starter right they're locked into that and you can get it for a third plus and you're like you know what just in principle even if I miss here I have a running back that still has opportunity for work even if it doesn't hit like for the whole year I don't need it to I'm still looking for probably three four weeks of getting value for that type of a round so I think the play honestly is finding those types where Hey, they're not the greatest bet, but we're talking about now making a price point and what they are is I don't care what the bet is long term. This is about a season of opportunity and what he's going to do with it. And if he shows me well enough in week 1, I don't care what the market of the community says in dynasty. That's probably more so of a reason for me to buy. I get you. I get you. I think there there's some like indicators that I'll point out. And, and this is this is a lot easier to to quantify with skill players. Um quarterbacks I mean, they're 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 a lot tougher, right? The market's more fickle, and we see quarterbacks who have, you know, kind of god awful, horrible performances, and people want to write them off. <clears throat> Justin Fields, and then all of a sudden, by the end of the year, you know, they're a top eight asset. Remember when who Trevor did. Lawrence was like toast, right, right? after rookie right. season? Right. At the skill positions, though, like some of the things I look at, especially in Week One, Adam, is like we'll look at fantasy points, and we think sometimes fantasy points is the end all be all. Right, so an example, this guy's got a lot more hype than Deion Jackson, but it's uh, it's James Cook, right? A lot more hype for a lot of people, including myself, James Cook. But Adam, like, I'm not going to overreact and tell everybody how right I was. James Cook comes out and he puts up 20 fantasy points, but the way he got the 20 fantasy points was maybe on an 80-yard screen. Like, he only had three catches, but one of them won for 80 yards and a touchdown. And then he broke, like, a 50-yard touchdown. And we're talking about a guy who got less than, you know, 10 touches total in the game. And I'm not going to take a victory lap on 20 fantasy points when he's not actually getting the usage, which I covet at the running back position, right? Like, I need it. I need it. It's kind of like this uh, DeAndre Swift thing that we did for a while. Highly efficient, highly efficient, but the usage sometimes wasn't ever there. And really with running backs, like I'm really just looking for guys who get used and used consistently because I don't want all those big giant, you know, ups and downs and lefts and rights of, you know, how you feel week to week on starting this guy. 
Now Swift's kind of a different case, but I'm just using James Cook as kind of in that that example. Like if if he if he had less than ten touches but scored twenty fantasy points at him, like I don't really count that as a victory. Like I told you I was right on James Cook and I'm gonna go out and buy more James Cook now. I feel more confident in my take. I look at it and I'm actually slightly concerned. Like what happens when he doesn't break one for, you know, eighty yard touchdown on So you're screen? talking about if we go to the receiver land lens uh, shot of Bateman. Or Jahan Dotson last year. Sure. Uh, similar, week, similar, week, similar case in point. Week one, right? Like four targets or whatever it was, but two of them were touchdowns. <laughs> right. The lo- low volume, high scoring, right. name, cachet. Bateman was the year Same, yep. The year where it was actually two years ago now, right? Where, yeah, I don't know, it was last year. Um, it he, was last year. Yep. He was coming out and there was some, the volume was scary, but you're like, oh man, he houses one of these slants to the crib for 80. So it's like, that highlight play, based on the final stat line, and this is a name we were talking about, it was like keeping his value afloat. But in my head, I'm thinking, man, if there's not target volume coming soon, what happens when this is four catches for 23 yards? The, the, the targets weren't hurt horrible, right? Bateman last year, he had, on week one, he had five targets, one touchdown, yeah. wide receiver 26 on the week, right? Not great. Um, but then you look at week two, right? Seven targets, one touchdown. Wide receiver 13 with over 20 fantasy points on the week. The thing was, I was looking at it, and this is, I think we might have touched on it last year. The snap percentage for a guy who's who's the number one quote-unquote wide receiver was at like 60%. And you're going, well, what, the that, f- what the fuck? 60%? The snap percentage was when you start digging into now. Because like, oh, yeah, seven is, is fine. If you had more of that, right. but there's also plenty of games where he wasn't even getting that great target load and the snap percentage right. is low. And then he's saved by a touchdown, and you're like, okay. And, and, as you dig happened? deeper, as you dig deeper, what happens? Yeah. What happened in week three, right? When we were both kind of worried about it, four targets. You that's know, what. That's what I'm talking touchdown. about. Wide receiver that 68, happen. still a 61 percent snap share. And then yeah. he got hurt the next week. Dig in Dig into the numbers a little bit. I think it's probably a big takeaway where I I want to see where those points came from. I'm not just going to take the fantasy Correct. points at face value because it's too easy to get yourself over your skis or start to panic on a player, right? Like if uh you know who who's a wide receiver for us? Uh, Deontay Johnson. I will say this. Like for me, anyways, I expect a bounce back from Deontay Johnson, and you got this whole uh you know positive regression that's going to happen. But we already saw him score a touchdown in the preseason, baby. We're on the board. I want to make I want to make sure to clarify this because I think this is a lot of what we don't do here, and what you you see a lot of uh, Twitter. I think Deontay's in for a bounce back here. Now I'm not saying you don't, but I like to have us. What we do is clarify, like what does that mean? Like he had a horrible season last year. Like if he's going to be a little better than that, is that a bounce back? I'm I'm asking you to just clarify because I know you have an answer, but. A lot of people just say he's going to be a bounce back. Well, of course, he was awful last year. He had no touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that for me, the bounce back is the fact he's actually going to score a few touchdowns this year. Okay. But this is also, too, like when I look at Deontay, it, it, it wasn't that bad last year outside of the fact that he didn't score touchdowns. Like outside of the fact he didn't, he didn't actually get into the end zone. But where he finished, Adam, you know, is like wide receiver 39 in points per game. Mm-hmm. When I say bounce back, I think it's more – He's going to be a top wide receiver twenty-four two? wide receiver. That's what yeah, I was going to. That, that's what I'm asking. He's going to be a yeah, and and to get to that wide receiver two, all he does need is a handful of touchdowns. Because when I look at actually some of the data on it, and this is where I'll talk about 
on the, the, the negative side, Deontay Johnson comes out week one, right? Only puts up 10 fantasy points. I'm going to go look at the numbers, and if Deontay's getting 12, 13 targets again, he just happened to, to get unlucky with maybe a couple bad throws or he didn't get in the end zone that week, and that's why he has 10 points. I'm also not on the flip side going to panic on the player through week one. Like, I'm not going to go, ah, oh, shit, I was completely wrong on Deontay. Shit, I should sell him why people still, you know, think so. Like, the numbers are telling me, no, he's still what I thought he was. He's he's still getting hyper-targeted. It's just we just need to see it actually be converted into fantasy points. So that's kind of like the opposite. Well, I think that Cook. I think that, too, um, there's a – go ahead. Finish the James Cook point, though. I'll let you – have that no no that's just what i mean like last year with deontay and and i don't know if it was right or wrong i don't think anybody had the fortune teller you know deontay johnson his first three games 12 targets 10 targets 11 targets no touchdowns obviously but i think i I, so here's i I know what you're saying let me let me say this i think though when we talk about the narrative there because i think this this principle is a great point right what what are we chasing and the danger in chasing a player name because there's uh, any type of scoring or, you know, uh, freak highlight play. What are we chasing? Why are we doing this? And what's the data behind it? I think a lot of times you can you can chase fictitious or uh, scary, let's call it. Like there's, there's very much red flags with this type of scoring and workload. But like l- let's, let's go into the case in point for Deontay specifically. I think this is where, one, he's coming off that year before, like wide receiver eight. Right. And and there was a narrative about this, Mike, about him. And we talked about this for a while, right? They literally, when they drafted Deontay Johnson, they traded away Antonio Brown and all the problems. And they took a Matt kid who when you look at the profile, is I mean, it's almost like cloning the closest thing you do to cloning A B, right? Special teams guy, yeah. third round, all this size, everything's so similar. And what happens? Big Ben is going to utilize him in that role. So it's like, yeah, of course the targets are coming. Like, of course he's going to do well. Then now you have what? A new rookie quarterback that didn't have the rapport with him. The interesting part you bring up, though, is that he still was earning targets at a significant rate, which was defying the whole logic of it's just Big Ben does this to him. Okay, so that was one positive that I think when you break it down in the realm there, you could look to, but he's wide receiver 38 or 39, Mike. He's his age is not in, in his benefit. At the end of the year, his contract's up, and people want to see Pickens do well, right? So, there's for him to your point, the touchdowns will help. But I think the other big thing that isn't baked in for a lot of people, it's funny, Fizzle put, I think, it in the chat here. If you think Pickett looks better and you suspect that Tomlin's a good coach and this organization's good and he takes a step forward, there's also more opportunity, not necessarily in targets, but for better efficiency with the right. target load he gets, right. having more big plays because the offense is more explosive. And then on top of that, Mike, that's when the cherry on top comes back where now you get some more red zone looks. Now you have opportunities to score maybe on you know a 20-yard play that he makes someone miss because he's really shifty, right? So there's the touchdown upside that definitely uh, – touchdown regression is something that could – He's one touchdown. It's technically touchdown regression, right? But there's also the touchdown of four or five where it's not crazy. But then what if there's target volume similar, but the offense is better? He's better. There's a scenario where I'm not going to put him high at wide receiver eight realistically like it was back in the Big Ben days. But if you tell me he finishes at like wide receiver 18, like are you 
you should not be shocked given if this offense takes a step forward and he has that type of target load. That's my point. I get you. I get you. I think week one is going to be interesting. But Adam here to finish this off too, like the 4D chess aspect of it is find out who the managers are who overreact to this shit, who are gobbling up you know, the hype because somebody had a great week one game in their opinion or the okay. the person who's going to panic on Justin Fields. Um, one I'll throw out there. I know I know, uh, I know, know we, we kind of talked about this the other night, and I, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out with Anthony Richardson. All right. Now, let me, let me say this. I'm not an Anthony Richardson hater. My problem with Anthony Richardson is you are paying damn near full price for him right now, like on what he, he could be. Like, can he push Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen? A- Absolutely. But, like, you got to pay damn near three first, if not more, to get Anthony Richardson today. Or you got to spend that in startup capital or whatever the case is. Or you have to give an equivalent quarterback in that realm of Watson or Justin Fields, like, for an A-Rich. That's my problem. You're buying him damn near at peak already without seeing anything. Mm-hmm. And I will say this, Adam. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen, but let's just hypothetically say Anthony Richardson comes out this week and the Jacksonville Jaguars tear him a new asshole. Like, like it is, it is not good. He's getting sacked. We don't know what's going to happen, but that's not bad. That's not insane to say like he has a rough week one. I mean, regardless of who he's playing, but yes, I gotcha. The biggest piece of advice, like, I think we're probably going to have some rough moments of A-Rich this year. Like, we probably will. I think fair, a, I think fairly, even if you paid that price, you should be you should not be going into the season expecting no rough weeks. I'm 100% with you. Okay. So, I, I want people to be prepared for that. But I want to say that if you're, if you're rostering Anthony Richardson, understand that you be prepared for it. Don't panic on it. Don't let this become a Justin Fields situation this year. And especially if it happens early, like people are going to lose their shit. We do this all the time with rookie quarterbacks. When they don't produce right away, everybody goes, oh, they're fucking bust. Let's move on. Um, But on the flip side, Adam, like if you're smart and that A rich price, now somebody panics and it drops to two, two first. If it drops to Kenny Pickett comes out and has a good game. That's what I was going to say. That's more like Kenny Pickett and a, and a first and you can have a rich, right? That's I think panic. I love that one. That's a good call. That's where I think if you're a savvy dynasty manager that you should be pouncing on and capitalizing on what other people are doing, overreacting to, to early weeks, week one, week two. So I I love that point because, well, it's not that, uh, yeah, to your point, like in value purposes. Yeah. If someone, I think that, the large majority of players, though, in this situation would be looking to get a safer quarterback option that might even have a little more spice than we once thought, given a pro- like production on the field for a week or two. That, I think, is where, like the picket, for example, there's a, there's a little bit of steamrolling hype, and then all of a sudden, like, what if week one and two, like, the numbers are surprisingly good, like right. quarterback 12 to 14-ish, and... You and he's got it. he's got youth on his side too. It's youth not on his side. There's a there's yeah. first round draft capital. It's a good organization. And one thing about him that people kind of seem to forget is like, what if he throws efficiently? The offense looks better, and then he has one of those like rushing touchdowns. Like people forget, right. like he has enough ru- leg. So Three yard scramble for a TD, right? Look good. that all of a sudden when Anthony Richardson might be having a bad week or two, the price point to get those done. Which by the way, in the off season, like those are non starters. For no one's yeah. no one's even negotiating no one a picket yeah. to a first. Now, I think to the point you're making, people are chasing 
they, they understand the tantalizing upside of a rich and honestly you can compare him however you want there is an athletic factor to him that's something we haven't seen before so the upside that we are seeing like with the hurts with whatever quarterback you want to mention you see that and then you're like man but he's also more athletic and people are so there's also a you're chasing understandably that that asset your point is cost is prohibitive to making this valuable even if he hits and i'll say this in a lot of ways that's the case like if you were to pay market right and you either trade it up or use it in a startup pick now one of the things though that's with him and a lot of the shares that i personally have is you know what i had a bunch of that the 102 the 101 like Mm -hmm. that like the, the cost associated there in a single draft pick when you've leveraged totally makes the cost of Anthony Richardson different. Now, it doesn't mean that because his current market value is there, but can I actually sell him for that? Like, is that just a startup value right. or can I liquidate yep. out? Because sometimes now, you, if you can tell me I can go for my 101 or 102, which is safer, like if you miss, you're okay. But if I can right now just ride the profit of, I turn 101 or 102 into three first or you know a quarterback and two first in best ball, like you're probably – Upside wise, you're not going to miss much, even if he moonshots this thing. So like, I get your right. point here. I think that the way you acquire him is uh, a big part. I think one thing to keep in mind with the specific narrative you're talking about with the uh, overreaction up or down, I think he's going to have one games that are going to be bad, but then two, you're looking at, you know, not just games that are going to be bad, Mike, but the way in which these good games are happening, there's already going to be like, you talk about, looking at the analytics side, there's going to be holes in the narrative of his good games because of the rushing upside to where that will almost bleed into the value of his bad games worse. And then you're going to have what is one thing I'm very interested to see how the community as a whole reacts, Trey Lance. Now, Trey Lance didn't play, but the point is this was this, we expect Trey Lance and we've been holding on to this high upside hope and that's why he carried that value. I think that narrative and how he fell and great draft capital three first round picks poured into him there's i think there could be a little bit of recency bias there which shouldn't be but almost gets put towards anthony richardson as far as his future casting of of his career i'm with you i'm with you buddy it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out one of the things too back when we were we were arguing uh way back at draft time you know a rich or Bijan, like who you taking the, who you the taking interesting right I'll take Bijan right now. Okay. And the interesting thing, the the reason I still say this is Bijan is because, listen, the the price I got to pay for Bijan, you know, whether it's the one one or where I take him in a startup or, you know, even a trade, right? Let's just hypothetically say they cost the same thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're rocking the water. I'll have a story and then we'll get out of here. But uh, the Bijan thing, the reason I'm, I'm comfortable taking him in the one one Adam, is because you're spending the price for a guy that, realistically has a shot at being a warp difference maker for you this year, like this year, like being the RB one, two, three, Anthony Richardson's more of that long-term play. Like we hope he can develop into being a top five warp quarterback. Like we hope that's where it's going to be. And it's not a, you know, perennial, you know, for a couple of years, QB 11, QB 12, and you spend all this, this capital on it and you're still waiting to kind of finally realize it. Uh, the nice thing about like Bijan, even though we all hate running backs, is you know it's one of the only assets in people still really want because he's young, he's on a rookie deal, you know he had high draft capital, and 
from a war perspective in your leagues, like can actually deliver you game changing, like type war, like that, that positional advantage. I don't think a rich, uh, I don't think there's a lot of people um, who are reasonably going to project year one, 2023. A rich is, is pushing any of those top five QBs, top six QBs right now for a, a warp advantage, but projecting, it, projecting it that would be silly. Right. To say I project him to be a top five, that would be – I agree, that's silly. But if you told me there's a scenario where his high-end ceiling is five to seven, is that – you're like I, what I what I want to make sure is clear is I don't think that's outrageous to think if, his, if he's as athletic as we think. Forget right. even what his passing is. Like that's not ridiculous if he actually is an efficient rusher and um, runs a lot. Now – I agree with you though. Like projecting him to be a warp difference maker in 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 year one, could it happen? Sure. I just I project projecting that is not smart either. I would I would agree with that point. This is always kind of the weird thing too. Just on a rich here. Um, okay. You know you know like you said right. Be whatever his passing is right. The biggest knock like people seem to have and I got to fight him off on is the Justin Fields thing. Sure. And when when Justin Fields came out, like we knew he could pass, and then we just haven't seen it in the NFL, and people still knock the shit out of it. Like him personally, no matter the fact that he he goes out and he runs for twelve hundred yards in a season. Okay. So it's going to be interesting this dynamic, just on a rich in general and how the community perceives him, Adam. Let, let's say he does go out and he puts up, you know, Justin Fields like rushing okay. at some point, maybe not this year, but you know, maybe next year, for example. He puts up these Justin Fields guys rushing, but the the EPA or the YOEPA or whatever the fuck like the data is that people judge these quarterbacks on looks as bad as Justin Fields. Like, are we in the same spot then with Anthony Richardson, or does he get a pass? Like, they're both young. Justin Fields going into his third year at this hypothetical, you know, A. Rich would be going into his third year too. Like, do people shit all over him again? And plus you got the whole Trey Lance thing like you were talking about. It's like it's weird to see how this A. Rich thing plays out in the long term just because I've seen other similar situations where people are shitting all over these and we've seen, like, market fluctuations so much. Like, you're either in on Justin Fields or you're out. Like, I'm in, but there's a shit ton of people on X at this point that are way out on Justin Fields. Yeah, I think – well, first and foremost, um, let's address – something that has to be said here so because of the way in which his nfl view is going to be different than whatever his fantasy is that clouds and i think causes um a clear split a divide in how people view a player right now it's easy to say with draft capital association in the summer look at all this tantalizing he looks great he's he's week one starter but th- think about it this way, Mike. I think one of the things with A-Rich is where, for me anyway, I'm not going to knock you too hard on Bijan. Because, I mean, this is a guy that, frankly, is one of the most uh, clout-driven names at the running back position, given his class was hyped, he was the difference maker, and not that other guys haven't been that good of a prospect, but in the space of everyone cares about rookie picks as much, like, Bijan's name is crazy. So I understand what you're saying. He, he could absolutely smash it. I mean, Atlanta's projected to run the football a ton. They spent a top 10 pick on this kid. But there's also like, now if he gets hurt, I understand there's value retention because look at Brees. Like it's, it's not like you can't move it for something. But I think one of the things that we don't 
always associate here is while keep trade cut will say he's running back two, three, and people maybe right away will say, Oh yeah, I want to buy light. They're going to want to buy light. And typically you're not going to be able to liquidate him for what you're probably looking for in replacement. Now, if you just liquidate the player for what the value is on keep trade cut and picks and re-roll it, you're fine. So you're protecting a little bit there, but the upside, I think of the difference is this. It's not that to your point, he couldn't be a warp difference maker to me though. It's more of a process play. I can get a warp difference maker at running back without investing quarterback type capital in dynasty value. Where for for because because here's the thing, Beast and Robinson. We found this experiment out, Mike. We probably saw it on the trade show a handful of times where somebody leveraged Bijan into a QB that he shouldn't, he or she shouldn't. But typically, Bijan Robinson doesn't even get you to the dance. A Rich right now, one of the great parts about him, and I've done this in a handful of spots. He's so highly valued. If you want to ride this out, you can. But if you say, you know what, man, this is, this is to your point, Mike, the, the value is so crazy, and he's a quarterback. Mike, I can have a real discussion with the Jalen Hurts owner right now and cash out for an additional first, which going to buy Jalen Hurts, whether I have Bijan or draft capital, is just almost not feasible. That's one of the things I think that makes Anthony Richardson in the position he plays and the value he has – an asset to you as long as you're not always in your portfolio. Now, if you have a big portfolio, let's say like you have mine, yours, even bigger, you have 10, 15, 20 shares of A-Rich, and you plan to just ride all those out, that is dangerous, especially at the cost acquisition. But if you say to yourself, all right, I drafted him here, I got him here, but I have a, a quarterback that has so much upside and whatever it becomes, if I, if I can get out of those to get 10 different quarterbacks and almost forget price for a minute, but you can get to quarterbacks that are elite on a portfolio level that doesn't exist at the position of running back is, I guess uh, it's a baked in addition that is very hard to like create in value right now, right now. Uh, agreed. And I mean, it could go up, it could go down. There's a scenario. It definitely goes down uh, to your point where it's going to go up is not much because where can you go? I right. get what you're saying. Right. But and right now he's what he's valued at. It, it'll go up and down. But the point is at the quarterback position, there's not many that like. How long does it take? Like when you go down the list, you're at Daniel Jones, you're at Jared Goff. Like you get to this range where people have a have a placeholder. They don't have a upside chaser. So that's what Averich currently possesses. I don't disagree. There's going to be points that yeah. you're making that I don't disagree with. By the way, like he's very unsafe in a way. If he plays poorly, the rushing's not as great as we think, and there's a bunch of holes in his passing game. Like, I don't know what that looks like. It, it's interesting to think about it, but we'll see what happens and, you know, what comes to fruition. Yep, yep, I'm with you. And then uh, just to, to finish off, because we had the, uh, the the water, no beer question, right? <laughs> what is this about, by the way? Well, per- well personal note, personal note, man. I, uh, we got back from the expo, and I didn't really like uh, the way I looked in some of them pictures. So your boy went on a diet a few weeks ago, and okay, uh, it's a it's a carnivore diet. Uh, shout out to Cody Carpentier. We talked about it a little bit at the expo. Not that he got me into it, like I'd heard about it and stuff. I was gonna say you were stuff. telling me in the car about it before you went to it, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't do any uh, no carbs, no sugars. So uh, I ran out of vodka last night. <laughs> you know, there's there's no carbs in that baby, no sugar in that one, but. Uh, the only other choice for alcohol in my house at this time is UV blue, and that's got a fuck ton of sugar in it. So, nope. <laughs> Water tonight, boys. <laughs> Water tonight. 
till we go get some more Tito's. You see, these are the type of things um, that Junico and Dynasty Degenerates. It's you know, I'm I'm happy for him, but it's also like, damn man, you're leaving me. You're leaving me in the trenches taking grenades, Mike. Sorry, man. It's all good. It's all good. I'm just playing. I'm happy to hear that. Hopefully, it's going well. And um, you know, next week we're we're expecting better planning, better pre-planning, better roster construction, better roster roster management, and not running out of vodka. You know, you got to have the yeah. right amount of uh, storage. Oh, it's going well. Uh, you got adapted, and you know, I just eat nothing but meat, cheese, and eggs. That's all I do. But twenty pounds in uh, three weeks, boys. So we're well on our way. Boom. There it is, man. There it. it is. Good, good to see. Good to hear. The season's upon us. Uh, uh, Mike is Mc, Mike is drinking Mc, water. McNutt is dunking at the shit school next year. That's gonna happen. We're gonna get that on video. We'll throw well, it down one more last time. I'll tell you one thing. The camera will be there. Um, y'all heard it here first. If you're in the live chat, uh, the eight of you, eleven of you, at some point, be there. Be there to see <laughs> this. Uh, the 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 proclamation, right? Like it's this right. is the. Um, you know, it's we we project a lot of it's an A rich thing. Like there's upside, we want to see it, but what's going to happen? Yeah. And uh I'm rooting for the kid. But uh yeah, Dynasty Genesis, we appreciate this one, man. Um I thought kind of uh, back and forth discussion on different points, good topics, but I think the staple and the big thing for me is not just all the processes we talked about, but football is here. This is you're listening to this on Friday if you're not one of the patrons who got early access. And at this point, we have a full game in the books. We have the Chiefs, the Lions, and we are coming up on Sunday in a hurry, man. That first week of Sunday, there's almost <laughs> nothing like it, man. You got a whole yep. slate of games. You're you're all ready to go. You've been waiting for this. It's amazing. Hey, don't worry. I'll have the Tito's ready for Sunday. <laughs> I, <laughs> I hope promise. So. And that carnivore, uh, I'm sure that carnivore spread is going to be very heavy. Oh, yeah. Oh, bacon galore, baby. <laughs> Bacon and Tito's. That's in football. That's what that's what Iowa does. Do you believe in miracles? Um all right, Dynasty Genesis, we appreciate you guys tapping in. Hope you guys found this one valuable. And just remember, when your league mates are playing chess, play forty chess. That's gonna do it. We're gonna bounce out of here. Make sure you're tapping into the YouTube channel on Saturday. We're gonna have an executives versus South Harmon draft. Redraft sixteen teams. Winner yeah. gets a belt. Loser does the one chip challenge. Somebody also put in here, Dynasty Alex. I don't know where it is now. Holograms are so back. Sunday. They are. Also Sunday. Patron show. Start sit show. Football. Recap. Football. After the four o'clock game. Before the Sunday evening. Sunday recap. Holograms are back. Sunday's back, man. I'm ready to go. All right. We'll see you guys next time. We're out of this thing. Peace. Peace.